The following is a production by Cutting to the Chase Podcast. So, Pale Dragon, site manager for SB Nations, the Canon. Welcome to the podcast. How's it going? It's great. Thanks for having me, Will. Uh, yeah, this is quite a thing you got going here. Uh, you've had a lot of like actually well-known people <laughs> on already, and so uh, I feel unworthy, but honored <laughs> to be here. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, definitely appreciate you coming on. Yeah, it's been awesome just talking with different people. That's kind of my thing. It's like I I want to obviously grow and get as many listens downloads as i can but the main thing for me is just talking with different people and hearing different things stories so i'm really excited to uh have you on get to know you a little bit more obviously we both come from the canon but uh before we get started i was curious where does the name pale dragon come from for you uh so that started as a um a a nickname in high school for one time we guys were just goofing around waiting for homeroom to open or whatever. And, um, so it was something I came up with there and, uh, it wasn't like a super common nickname, but it was just something that was there. It came from time to time. And so then, you know, later as I started, uh, having an internet presence on different sites, different message boards, I just went with that as, as the name and it, uh, so that's just, it's been the thing. <laughs> so. And it's cool. It's caught on. It's your thing now. So everybody knows yeah. you by that, which is cool. So, and, 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 and yeah, and when people like me be in person too, like they say like, I'm very pale. So it's like, oh, okay. that's, that's what comes from. <laughs> that makes sense. So, um, so I was curious. So as far as your writing and the canon, so I was curious, how did you get started with writing? Yeah. So it was kind of a, um, not something that I really sought out. It just kind of happened. I've always, I've always enjoyed writing from when I was like a really little kid. I can remember getting dragged along when my parents went out to dinner with their friends and stuff. And my mom would always have a you know, a notepad and pen in her purse and she handed me. So I'd have to entertain myself and I'd come up with these little picture book stories and in the little notebook there. And, um, and all throughout school, I, I enjoyed writing stuff. I, you know, developed a, a knack for writing and writing well and everything like that. And, you know, I don't know why I didn't really pursue that. I never thought of that as something to do, you know, and I, I never realized how much I needed that outlet. So I think one thing that started to do in college and then after college was, you know, commenting on message boards, usually about sports and kind of exercising mm-hmm. the writing in that. Sure, it's just a conversational thing, but there's still writing skill involved, especially when you're like arguing about sports and you have to make a case. And um, so around at the start of 2013, I created my SB Nation account. Um, and it was initially to talk about college football over every day should be Saturday because uh, they had a very active comment uh, community mm-hmm. there. Uh, but then, you know, I have the Estonation account. You can sign up to any or all SB Nation sites. So for all my other teams, I wouldn't subscribe. And so then I started, and I'd read the canon on and off, but uh, so I went ahead and started commenting there. Um, and then that was the season right after the lockout and after the Nash trade. And it was kind of the start of a good run for them. So there was a lot to talk about. And then in summer of 2016, uh, Mike McLean, who had started the site and was running the site at that point, reached out to me and said, hey, we, you know, we need some writers. I noticed you're in the comments a lot. He liked, he liked the way I wrote my comments. He liked the kind of arguments that I made. 
Um, I think it probably stood out that I was one of the few people defending the Pierre-Luc Dubois pick. <laughs> Everyone else was just freaking out because it's not what was we were expected to do. You know, right. like, you know, hey, hey the, these guys know what they're doing, right? You know, maybe this is going to be a good pick, you know, and thankfully it turned out to be right. But, uh, and so, and when he, I was flattered that he, he asked me to do that. And the more I thought about it, like, yeah, this is something I'd really, really like to do. And it would give me that outlet to, to write and really flex my creative muscles in a lot of ways. Uh, and so, yeah, I started doing it, loved it. Um, then obviously then he, as Mike decided to step back, um, he thought that I could uh, take over r- running the site because there are already times where he, you know, his schedule was getting in the way. And so I, and I would kind of step up like, all right, Hey, you know, we need to figure out stuff for the next week. Who can handle what, you know, I was kind of organizing Slack. And so uh, and that's, so here I am. <laughs> yeah, that was a great segue because I was curious too how you got started with the Canon. And then of course, now you're the site manager. So, I mean, could you ever, I mean, I guess you probably never expected being the site manager, like say, what, five years ago, for instance, but here you are now. And so talk about your role as a site manager. All I mean, I'm, I can only imagine half the stuff you have to deal with or, or manage or figure out. Of course, you're coming up with content ideas or you know, trying to figure out if we can hire, bring on, you know, writers or whatever, whatever your, your typical daily, you know, activities consist of. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot to it. I certainly never saw myself running a site or anything like that. And so I was and actually just a, an interim manager for about a year. Um, cause there was some, mm, there's some right. turnover at SB Nation as well. And so first they had to get in a new NHL brand manager, uh, Steph driver. And, and then once she was fully situated, then she had to get, you know, th- them on board getting, all right, Hey, we've got some site manager spots we need to fill. And I, um, and at first I wasn't sure if I wanted the permanent role, uh, cause I knew that it would be a lot of work and I was, but I said, you know, whatever is going to happen, I still wanted to stay on at least as a writer. And I also expressed that, um, if it wasn't me, I still would have wanted some uh, input on who the new manager would be because I wanted to make sure that it was someone who understood the site and would you know, kind of stick to what, you know, what Mike had established, you know, and carrying on that legacy was important to me and just maintaining what it is that brought me to the site and made me a member of the site. And, uh, but I decided, yeah, what the hell I'll, I'll go ahead and I'll apply. I'll go through the interview process and, uh, was really cool is the the day then that they sent me the email saying hey all right you're 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 our pick we want you to be the full-time thing that was the day that we traded for matt duchene oh wow i didn't even realize that that's crazy i forgot that just so two huge pieces of news (laughs) for me in the same morning and then that afternoon my uh angela Purley, who's uh yeah my, my cousin's girlfriend he's in her band uh you know, she got back to me and she authorized us to use her, her music for the Canon cast, which we were just getting ready to start up. So it's like, it was just like, it was a, just a, it was a great Friday. Yeah. Like just so many good things happening. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. And then in terms of the stuff that I do, um, yeah. So I have to, uh, obviously keep maintain a schedule. So I usually do that or try to do that on a monthly basis, filling up a, you know, a shared calendar with to make sure that, you know, every weekday, at least that we've got something going up. Um, you know, obviously communicating with you and the other writers to, 
make sure that you can cover the spots, uh, you know, bounce ideas off each other. I have to, you know, keep an eye on the comments, uh, which, you know, some of the other people on staff can help out with as well, just to make sure that people aren't getting out of line. I've had to, you know, suspend some people, ban some people just to make sure that things are staying civil on there. Um, which that's, that's one of the worst parts about the job. Cause I hate to, cause we, you know, have some people who have been like regulars, but then they just step out of line too many times and, and I have to get rid of it. And, you know, sometimes over the last year, we've maybe had a little bit less activity than we've had in the past, but I think things have generally been a lot calmer and more civil, mm. uh, which so, which I think is better. And there's sometimes things just got really, really bitey. Uh, so that's part of the, part of the job we have to do. And then, yeah, interacting with, with management too on issues that affect the Canon and all the other SB Nation sites. Yeah, definitely. And have you, did, did you ever expect that you would be a part of a podcast even just a couple of years ago? I think, I don't know how far, I, I just remember being, or at least I and Ryan and probably others, I, I'm sure we all at some point were at least thinking about it or wondering about it. But, and then of course, now here we are doing the Canon cast, which is really cool. We've been doing that. We're almost at episode 100 already. So, I mean, it's only been what a year and a half, almost two years, I guess, but it, uh, it's grown pretty fast. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, uh, you know, I really wasn't sure what would go into that in terms of how, how you, you know, what goes into making a podcast, what goes into getting it out there, you know, again, that, and that's where it's nice being part of a network like SB nation where there were resources then for getting stuff out there. So they told us, so here, use this service for, for hosting it and posting stuff up and, you know, getting their ads in there and stuff like that. But yeah, the Canon cast has grown beyond what I could have expected. You know, it's, it's one thing to have, just have us on and talking about sports, but I mean, the, the guests we've gotten has been incredible uh, getting to talk to so many, uh, you know, journalists and broadcasters that cover the team and, you know, other people in the hockey world. And that's, that's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that's definitely been fun talking with all kinds of different people, like you said. And yeah, it's definitely been awesome and not something I necessarily could have envisioned. You know, I've talked about my getting into writing five years ago randomly and seen it grow from there. And then, of course, with the podcast element, I had no idea either. And I've learned, you know, Ryan Rial was awesome as far as bringing oh, yeah. that up and really making that his thing. And then, you know, I... And then I had my bumpy transition of figuring out how to edit. But since then, I've figured out some things just kind of on the fly and just through other people, which has been fun. And now I like doing it, but it could be tedious. Yeah, it, but, you know, yeah, what it, else? It, it, it's, it's amazing to me how you're able to get that done so quickly that we can record on a Monday night and you know, within <laughs> a few hours, got it ready. And uh, yeah, I give a ton of credit to Ryan for he had some radio experience. So he was able to bring a professionalism mm. to it. And so that I think that helped it seem not just like a bunch right. of that, but a bunch of assholes sitting around just yeah, exactly. talk like uh, there's there's a polish to it, you know, and I think yeah. he was able to, uh, you know, show, show you the ropes there, too. So you've been able to, to keep that going. And yeah, so, you know, ha having having theme music and have that segue into the introduction and then we have the, all, all that is it, great. And I feel like we've been pretty professional in the way that we've interacted with the actual professionals that we've had on, you know. Uh, and it's, it's just I mean, to be able to have guys on there, like uh, guys from Fox Sports Ohio, like Brian Giesenslaw and Charles Grappier. It's just, <laughs> it's crazy. Like, these are the guys I watch on TV and here we're talking right. to them. That's uh, it's great. I bet I feel like, but in a way we're kind of peers, right? We're part of. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Media, the greater media right. circle here that covers the team. Uh, although we're, you know, not, uh, although I kind of like the, 
the outsider approach that we have. Like I'm okay personally with me not being credentialed. Mm-hmm. Like I, I prefer watching the game from the stands rather than the press box. You know, I, I like being able to just spout what I'm feeling rather than just say, Oh, here's what happened in the game. This is what this player said. You know, I, I, I think I'd be too hemmed in if I were a beat writer. I prefer giving, this is the fan perspective. Yeah. This is what the fans are saying about the team. That's, and that's, I think a lot, a lot of the explanation blogs, that's kind of the approach that we take. Uh, and I think that's something, it's something different than you just get from your local paper or the athletic or anything like that. Yeah, and then it is great also having Elaine as part of the monsters and having that access too. So we're still able to kind of tap in a little bit too. So it's kind of nice having that blend. Um, yeah, I remember thinking how I wish I could be credentialed even just once, just one mm-hmm. time. And I still would love to do that, but who knows how that will play out? Because I'm in Virginia, obviously. So I'd have sure. to try to figure out a way on the road with the caps or something to do that. But yeah, it's always something I could look for in the future. But um, so I was curious too, what are. What would you say your goals are still for the canon? Yeah, I, with the site, I just want to always, you know, wait, find ways for growth, ways to do different things, you know, grow the reader base, grow the commenter base. Um, you know, yeah, I'd like to, you know, get the staff numbers back up a little bit, but there's some issues in terms of estimation and their staffing for the people who oversee the hiring process and, um, you know, the terms of the budget and stuff like that. So that's kind of tricky, but uh, you know, hopefully, get some more people on there because just the more the more different voices you can get, I think, is helpful. Because mm-hmm. I feel like what we've been able to have, we have people with different takes, and that is that is a good thing. And having people from different backgrounds is a good yeah. is a good thing. You know, like l- last summer when I added uh, Rachel and El Polito, um, you know, I picked the two best writers, the two best applications right. there. That were submitted, right, right. but it's like, oh, and here is a you know Puerto Rican man. Here is a mm-hmm. another woman on the staff, and you know I didn't pick them because of those things. But once I made the pick, it's like, oh, cool. These are there's just it's diversity in the writers' room, and that helps me see things differently than if it was just a bunch of other white guys, you know? Right. And, and I think yeah. and, th- and I think that helps our, our coverage a lot. Yeah, definitely. And then I guess outside of the canon, do you have personally, professionally, I guess, um, specific goals or things that you're looking to do maybe that those who don't know you may not quite know about you, I guess? Hmm. Yeah, I, uh, so I don't know. Yeah, I, I sometimes think about other things I'd like to do writing wise or flex my writing muscles in another way. So that there is a, uh, a site that is going to be started soon again with some of these other people who have uh, commented on, on college football blogs, like every day should be Saturday. And so we're going to be uh, starting a new site soon that I want to be contributing to, cool. uh, you know, not, not, not as up, not as much as I do for the Canon, obviously, because my focus has to be on the Canon, but that'd be a way for me to write about some stuff that is not just hockey related. Mm-hmm. Um, so this definitely, you know, this gets my juices, creative juices flowing and makes me want to write stuff. And um, yeah, there's some social ideas I'd have where I'd want to maybe try my hand at writing some, some fiction or something at some point. It's just a matter of making the time. And, and in terms yeah. of not writing, I mean, I, I have my, I have my day job and that uh, it's, it's, it's a good job. It's got a flexible schedule there. It you know, it gives me good health insurance. 
it pays me enough money to then do the stuff that I like to do, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm content in that respect. Uh, I, my other side job is that I, I coach a quiz bowl team, quiz bowl team at a local high school here, which is a really rewarding thing to do. So I basically, I have three jobs. <laughs> uh, so I've got my day job and then I've got these two side jobs and the two side jobs though are really more my passion. And, yeah. um, and so I get, I don't necessarily make a ton of money from those. It's just more about something that's very fulfilling to do. Yeah, I definitely feel that. That's kind of me with the Canon and doing writing podcasts. And then I have my own website. So I, I look to always do things with that. I used to just want to write. And then now I've gotten more into the podcasting element of things. So always looking to, like you said, expand the creative juices. So curious too. And I'm going to get into, uh, we'll get into some baseball, football, et cetera. But uh, I was curious, talk about, your favorite blue jacket moments, or if you had to select like a top five, because I know right off the bat, it would it'd be so easy and valid to bring up, you know, the Tampa Bay sweep or something like that. So if you had a top five or even, you know, top three that you'd think oh. of right away. Well, I, I, number one, what, what still can't be surpassed yet is, uh, Felino's overtime winner against Pittsburgh in 2014. Uh, I, I was in the arena for that. And, that was, it's been the greatest live sports mode of my life. There's nothing that can top that. It just, the, the energy in the building, uh, it was so loud when he scored. And, and I just remember this feeling of like, no one wanted to leave the arena. Hmm. Like we we're just, even as the players like left the ice and stuff, everyone's still just standing there and cheering and jumping around. And, and then just as we filed out through uh, the concourse, you know, it's all packed in there. And we're all just, you know, still chanting CBJ, CBJ. And it just, I, I was on such a high after that. And um, I, I brought a friend to that game who I've been trying for years to get him into the jackets. Because, um, you know, I'd, I'd been getting a, you know, a six game ticket package. I'm like, oh, Pat, come to the game. Pat, you know, come to the game. And he just wasn't as interested in that. And then, but this one, it's like, he's like, oh, it's a playoff game. Sure, I'll come to a playoff game. And he was hooked. Which, you know, after sitting through that game, how could you not be hooked? So then I I got tickets for game six, you know, the next home game in that series. So he was there with me for that game. And uh, so, yeah, that's so that's the number one, especially because the game started so poorly. You know, the Jackets were Mm -hmm. down three nothing, like halfway into the first period. And and I had been a game three, too, where the Jackets got out to a huge Mm -hmm. lead and then they blew a three one lead in that game. Um, So for them to come back and, and that and my seats were in section 107. So Doobie's goal was right in front of me. I just couldn't believe that he scored. Couldn't believe that that one went in game. that ended the 2013 season against Nashville. Um, and that's case where the jackets were still alive for getting into the playoffs. Mm, you know, they yep. needed, uh, I think Colorado to beat Minnesota. And that, that wasn't able to yeah. happen. Or maybe um, it was the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, just, I don't, yeah Minnesota, Minnesota like beat us on a tiebreaker. Right. That, but, right. That's right. But it felt like a playoff game. It was a packed house. I bought tickets at kind of last minute and ended up getting them like nine rows up from the goal, um, from the uh, defend twice goal. Uh, there was one point, there's one sequence there where Bob made like nine saves in seven seconds or something like that. He was just flopping all around the crease. It was, it was right in front of me. It was, uh, that was an amazing game. Just And we were just waiting for something to happen and it was very close and the Jackets weren't getting anything going. 
And then there's one point, like halfway through the third period, where they, during a break on the scoreboard, they put the uh, the clip from any given Sunday where Al Pacino's doing his locker room thing. Oh yeah, and just, oh and, yeah. And that got the crowd so pumped up, and everyone was on their feet from that point on. And the the the, the, the team got some juice from that point. And uh, so even though they didn't make the playoffs, then you knew that okay, yeah, some this is fine. This is building something, and that team was the start of you know the success then that we we've seen here for you know basically ever since then. Right. There's a game against the Blackhawks that went to a shootout, and Jack Johnson got the shootout winner. And what was fun about that is just because there were so many goddamn Blackhawks fans in the mm. game, and they they are the worst visiting fans. They're just <laughs> so completely obnoxious. Yeah. So seeing them leave with a loss was very satisfying. Uh, <laughs> in a similar vein, um, last March, March of 2019, uh, I gave tickets for a game against Pittsburgh, and my my sister and her husband came into town and they live in Pittsburgh and are Penguins fans. And of course there were so many Penguins fans in the crowd. Like there always are. It was a Saturday night game and we were sitting in, uh, in the upper deck, one of the sections And the section was like 80% Pittsburgh fans. Just awful. And the jackets just created the Pittsburgh is essentially a no show in that game. The jackets just mm. dominated from start to finish. Yeah. The section cleared out like after the, the third period, um, so that was very satisfying. Uh, I, I, as a, as a host, I felt a little bit bad, I guess, for my sister or husband, but, uh, oh, yeah. but that was, it was just a great weekend. Spent time with them. We went to a barbecue place before the game and got, got, had a great meal that they, they both loved. And so a lot of times these memories are great for just like people I've shared them with, you know? Right. Oh, I guess one thing, this wasn't a great moment for the jackets necessarily, but the one time that I got to see them play when I was in college in DC was the first game after the 05 lockout. And that was a cool moment for the NHL because they decided that they'd have every team start their season on the same day. So there were 15 games, all 30 teams playing. And the Jackets, who of course did not necessarily play the Caps every year because of the schedule at that point, they didn't have every team playing every team twice. Um, and there are different conferences and all that. Um, so the Capitals were one of the home teams for opening night and the Jackets were their opponent. Now, fortunately, the Caps were garbage at that point. So getting a ticket was not a difficult thing. I was able to go to the the, the Ticketmaster office on campus and, and mm-hmm. buy a couple yeah. tickets. And it was not a sold out game even for opening night, which is crazy. And I remember walking from the Metro stop to the arena and hearing someone behind me say like, oh, who are we playing tonight? And the person like looking down at the ticket, the Columbus Blue Jackets? I'm like, Columbus? Like, Columbus, Ohio? They've got a team? Which we've been around for like five years to that, but it's like I turned around yeah. like, yeah, go Jackets! Woo! You know? And um, and the, the Jackets ended up losing like three to two. Um, yep, Rick, yep, Rick Nash exactly. got hurt in preseason. He played, then he left the game halfway through, he got hurt. But that was Alex Ovechkin's debut. Yep. And he scored two goals. Yes, he did. Um, So that's for, you know, one of the greatest players to ever play the game. You saw his first two goals. That, I, <laughs> that is pretty cool, actually. I was at yeah. his NHL debut. That's, yeah, Jack has lost, but that's kind of worth it in hindsight to have seen that bit of, yeah, yeah he, dude scored over 700 goals. Uh, you know, <sighs> might, might end up breaking the record. Who knows? Uh, he's yeah. I think definitely the greatest goal scorer of all time. So that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, I remember watching that game on TV out of the lockout. And of course, back then, you know, I, I guess I 
wasn't paying attention because I don't remember. I think I remember thinking, I don't know who Alex Ovechkin is. I didn't expect him to do any. Well, you know, at least in that game anyway, first game. But of course, they he gets those two goals. And yep. And yeah, I've definitely been the my share of Jackets Caps games over the years now in DC. I saw them in Columbus too when they had Yager back in the day. I think I, I, I remember that. But uh, yeah, I've, I've been to my share of games here in DC. And it's fun to see more Jackets fans actually kind of popping Mm -hmm. up around the arena now. I feel like I've seen a good portion more or less since then. So that's been fun. Yeah. Have you seen the, the jackets as a road team in any other arenas? Uh, not yet. I've only ever been to games in Columbus or DC. So yeah, I would love to see them elsewhere. I know Carolina is not too, I mean, it's a couple hours, but I could always make that happen or, you know, yeah. So, so I've, I've seen the jackets in Carolina once I've been to, to more hurricanes games than that. Actually, because uh, my brother lives down there. He's lived down there since 96. So that was around the same time that the Hurricanes moved down there. So I even saw a Hurricanes game at Greensboro Coliseum yeah. back before their arena got built in Raleigh. So uh, in like 2011, spring of that year, I think it was, uh, I-, I went down specifically for a weekend to see a Jackets-Hurricanes uh, game down there, which the Jackets won. Mm-hmm. And there were a lot... You know, there's enough, uh, the triangle area there has just a lot of transplants. There's, it's a booming area. So most of the people are not from North Carolina. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure they get a lot of visiting fans for any game. So yeah, there's a fair number of people wearing jackets, jerseys there. And, uh, now my brother and his sons are hurricanes fans, but that was, that was fun. And then, uh, my other road game is in 2015. I went with the jacket backers up to Ottawa. Mm, oh, nice. Sure. Nice. And that was, and that's really cool to go with like a big group like that. So we had, you know, most of a section to ourselves in the upper deck and, and, and also getting to, can you hear the national anthem mm. before a sporting event in another country, mm. you know, to sing along yeah. with the Star Spangled Banner there. That was, that was cool. And Ottawa's a neat city mm-hmm. and the people there, you know, it's the stereotype of Canadians being nice. It's really true. <laughs> um, you know, we, 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 we drove, we left at like 11 o'clock on a Friday night from a Walmart parking lot north of Columbus and drove through the night through upstate New York. This is in early February, horrible weather. Mm. And, um, you know, got into Ottawa about noon to our hotel and, you know, my room wasn't ready yet. So I just, I left my bags there at the front desk and just started walking around downtown Ottawa, you know, got a picture of the parliament building and then just, you know, found a bar there and (laughs) went and got lunch and had a few drinks and, you know, one of the guys there was just excited to talk to someone from somewhere else. He bought me a drink. Like, all right, yeah, that's, that's great. Cool, yeah. So, yeah, and then, well, the the funny story about that trip is that I, you know, went back mid afternoon to the hotel and thought, and I I can't sleep very well in airplanes or buses or whatever, so mm-hmm. I was real tired. Right. So I, oh, I'll take a nap before the game before we have to leave for the game, and I ended up sleeping through the alarm that I set. Mm. So we were supposed to leave at like quarter till six from the hotel. And I woke up at like just after six or something like that. So I was, I totally missed it. And I was freaking out like, Holy, I just <laughs> went through a 12 hour bus ride and I'm going to miss the game. So I like quickly like hopped in the shower, ran downstairs. There was a cab waiting out front. So like, I gotta get to the arena. And the arena is like 20 minutes outside of the city. It's like in the suburban office park. It's horrible location uh i got there at like 10 till 7 and you know got up to my seat like just as they just as the anthems were happening so awesome. i did miss, i got there in time 
So that was that was a scary situation, but it was, you know it's a fun story to tell. And yeah. Jack said winning that game, and uh, on the bus ride up, we had held a, uh, a a fundraising raffle for the Janice Felino Foundation. So after the game, uh, like Nick Felino was willing to come out and meet the group, nice. he came and talked with us, and posed for pictures and stuff. Former and was, senator too. Yeah, and it was it was just really generous of him to to do yeah. that. That was cool cool to see him and everything. Yeah, so so that, I could definitely say yeah. I, getting to see your team play in other stadiums is, uh, is great. I've done that for, for baseball a few times. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Which, which has been fun. So yeah, like in 2017, I flew out to the Bay area. Nice. I've got some fam- family that lives out there. They've been saying for years, like, Oh, come about visit us. So like, it's like, Hey, could I, are you free this week in July for me to come crash your place? <laughs> but, so I got to see the Indians play, at Oakland nice. and a few days later at San Francisco. Okay, cool. So that, was, that was cool. Yeah, I actually had a Giants fan slash uh, writer for one of the fan side pages on the last one. And so we were talking some Giants baseball. Yeah, I was, I was out in San Francisco back in like 2002. So it's been a long, long time, but would love to get back out there. Did you see a game there? Or? You know what? I didn't. In fact, I oh. remember, I remember, um, I think there were games that week, but I remember. I don't know if it was the same night or the next night, but I remember the 2002 All-Star game was happening. And of course, that was the game that had the tie. So they had, it was All-Star break week, but I do believe they had some games in town the rest of that week. So I just, we never got there, but that was a big thing growing up was we would travel and whether it was Chicago, Boston, uh, wherever we'd see a game usually. So I've, I've, sure. I've seen a few uh, different baseball stadiums, luckily, but yeah, I need to see some other hockey games. And, you know, I was going to say, I love, well, I love any sporting event live, but what I like about hockey is I love the warm ups aspect of it. I love when teams come out and I love like even when I go to Caps games and I'm seeing Columbus play, I love when they get booed so much from like the home <laughs> fans. I don't know why that just kind of gets me going or, um, you, you know, you were talking about like on the on the scoreboard in Columbus when they would do like those uh, those shots to get people going. I remember mm-hmm. that too. Like they'd have like a, a montage of different clips and stuff. But uh, I love I love hearing them boo or get booed for whatever reason because it's just like they're like the enemy. Even though it's like yeah, you know, it's exactly. not like Pittsburgh or Philly, but still, it's like it's Columbus. They still care. They still want to beat you or whatever. So it's it's fun when they score a goal and it's just quiet. But God, I hate being there. Especially the DC, the Caps goal horn. Uh, I hate being there when that horn goes off. It is just like you're on an island because there's like everybody around you stands up and you're just sitting there like, all right, <laughs> get the next one. Yeah, well, and, and that's that's one thing I hate when you get you know teams like the Penguins or the Blackhawks that come to town. And they've got so many of their fans there, mm. and when their team scores, then all then it makes it just obvious how many of their fans are there. Yeah, and then it's like, and you're feeling uncomfortable in your own arena, which sucks. Yeah, you know. So and so I'm. I'm very aware of when I'm an away fan to follow proper away fan protocol. Like, so when my team does something good, <laughs> I cheer. I don't make a scene about mm-hmm. it. You know, I stand up, I clap, I, I, I give some woohoos or whatever, but I'm not getting in people's face about it. Right. You know, I'm not being a jerk. I'm certainly not like taunting anyone on their teams. I'm not saying anything bad about their teams. I'm just cheering on my team. And I think people generally respect that and they, and they don't, yeah. don't give me an issue about that i remember i mean I, i've even had you know good interactions with away fans uh i remember going to uh, a game in pittsburgh uh baseball game so the indians were playing in pittsburgh and i went over there stayed with my sister she lives within walking distance from pnc park it's it's great and uh sit next to a guy and yeah i was just you know shooting the shit with him all 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 game and it was great yeah but he said he's like 
if this were a Brown Steelers game, we wouldn't be having this conversation. <laughs> and I said, yep, that's yep, fair. you're right. I, I agree. And that's totally fair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, I was curious with baseball. Have you been watching any of the playoffs or the world series? I know you're watching the Indians Yankees series a little bit. Um, but were you watching since then or the world series at all? Uh, not as much. There have been a few times where I've just wanted to have something on in the background. So I've had some of the games on, I really yeah. didn't watch mm-hmm. anything else in the American league playoffs. So the games that I'd have on yeah. would be more stuff with like the Dodgers. And, uh, I have not, I've maybe just caught an inning here or there of the World Series. Haven't been following that too closely. Um, yeah, right. it, yeah, the baseball thing just didn't have as much interest for me once the Indians were out, and even and even the Indians season this year didn't grab my attention as much. Um, mm-hmm. They're just a a flawed team. Um, they weren't able to put yeah. too many good stretches together to really suck me in. Um, and it's frustrating to, you know, it's just such an uneven system in baseball. And so to be a fan of a small market team is really depressing now. Um, you know, so it's mm. nice to see when a team like the Rays is able to put together a success. Right. Um, but it requires a lot of things going right. And there's still mm-hmm. questions about how sustainable it can be. Um, yeah. So it's just a knowing that like, you know, well, this might be Lindor's last year because they're going to have to trade him to get something for him. And yeah, you know, and, and like the owner's like, "Hey, enjoy him." <laughs> that uh, yeah, it's just it's not that's that's not a fun not a fun thing to do. And the the and this, against the Yankees, that was so frustrating. You know, for the first game to see Shane Bieber get hit so hard, and he'd been pitching so mm-hmm. well this year, and oh yeah, and that's the. The, they actually scored runs, which they couldn't do in the regular season, but then their pitching, which had been lights out, all of a sudden they, <laughs> they couldn't stop runs from scoring. Naturally, yeah. So it's, yeah. To, you know, it was one thing if they lost the way that I expected them to lose, but to, to lose in that way was, yeah. yeah. I, just, I, don't know, I don't know the answer. It's like they, they need all the things to break right for them, uh, which is ki- kind yeah. of what happened in 2016. You know, I, mm-hmm. I think that was the perfect timing for them to go on a run because the rest of the American league was just not as strong that year. But then even then they, they didn't have all of the luck because they had the injuries to the rotation. So by the time it got late in the world series, you know, the starters who were pitching well were just gassed. So, you know, game six, game seven, Kluber, they had nothing yeah. left in the tank for those games. And that was, and it's That's like right. looking back, Oh, that, which I thought that was the start of, Oh, well they'll be back next year. It'll be great. They can make a lot of runs with this. Right. Core. But just the financial realities and stuff. Yeah, other teams in the American League, the Yankees getting back on it, the Red Sox getting back on it. Then it's like, oh, they that was their one shot. And it's so funny because I thought the same thing about Cleveland. I thought, oh, they'll be back. That team's too good. And I know you hate it, but I have to draw the parallel with the Cubs and the Indians no, because don't. I think, no, you don't. well, both no teams have gone backwards. <laughs> both teams, the Cubs window is shut. I think everybody, like, like from both sides, you could say, both teams should be good going forward. And instead we've seen more so from the Cubs side, they have gone way backwards. And I mean, Cleveland, I don't understand. I don't. Yeah. Cause at least the Indians had the excuse of they don't have the, the money to right. spend. But right. The, the Cubs have the money to spend. I don't know why they're not better. That's, that's the thing. That's the thing. Um, the owner doesn't want to spend any more money. They do have a high payroll. So, I mean, I guess you can say like, okay, top, top five payroll. Maybe they've missed, Maybe they haven't spent wisely. That's definitely fair. And that's definitely a solid criticism at the times where they've definitely spent wrong on certain players. But uh, the team, there's there's so many questions. That team 
it's, I think they were probably overdue for a retool, not necessarily a rebuild, but like a retool, kind of like the 16 Yankees when they just were like, okay, we're going to just get rid of players. Take take one year, trade the guys, yeah. and get some prospects, but yeah, keep the talented core, which, you know, the Cubs still have a lot of really good players that they can build around. So yeah, they, sh- they shouldn't have to, to do a teardown. And, and yeah, I don't, it makes me frustrated to hear owners of teams like that, you know, acting like they don't want to spend the money. It's like, you guys are making so much money and so much more money than other teams. So like the Red Sox trading Mookie bets that, that infuriates yeah, me. Right. Right. Now, I, I mean, it's funny to see Red Sox fans have to suffer every time he makes a great play for the Dodgers. Like that's, that's true. That's really funny. I enjoy that shot for because I hate Boston fans, but, uh, but the fact that Boston felt like they had to trade him, like, no, you've got all the money in the world. He's one of the best players in the game. You pay him. Like, and even if you're concerned about like luxury tax, like trade up, like get rid of like JD Martinez or something like you, but you keep a guy like Mookie Betts. You don't trade a Mookie Betts. That's absurd. You know, whereas, you know, the Indians don't want to lose Francisco Lindor, but yeah, they, there's a limit to what they can pay him that he would accept that also allow them to pay everyone else on the team, which as I said, like, Hey, you know, we would have the money to pay him, you know, thirty million dollars, but then we wouldn't be able to pay Shane Bieber and right, and right, people like that. So that's that's that trade off they have to deal with. I saw a tweet today. I think it was kind of tongue in cheek, but it was something like Blake Snell and a couple of the other Rays starters, Charlie Morton, had showed their their three salary, the three players that he was showing for the Rays, their three salaries, and then it was Walker Bueller for the Dodgers, and he's making like six hundred thousand. He was like, "It's great to see uh, a guy beat the millionaires," because you know you're talking about the Rays, three top one of their three top players against the Dodgers, one of their top starters, and it's like, okay, we know the Dodgers payroll is bigger, but that one pitcher's salary is less than the three for the Rays. So it's kind of funny seeing that. But yeah, I've been rooting for the Rays for sure. I was actually at a game in Houston last year between Cleveland and uh, the Astros, and um, the Indians won that game. Kluber was pitching, and that was right before, I think it was the last start before his injury that season. Uh, And of course, now he's with the Rangers, which was kind of weird. But he had such a great, um, you know, obviously 2016, and was definitely a, I think he won two Cy Youngs, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it's a solid run. 14 and 17, I want to say. Yeah, he, he's and, and I've I've had the pleasure of seeing him live a few times, and that's what one of the times I saw him live. He, I think it was in it was in 2017, and he struck out 14 Blue Jays in one day. And he mm. was dealing, and then a couple years ago, I saw him pitch against the Angels, and he, he threw a Maddox. Mm, nice, nice, yeah. Shut out with Kliga. Shut out in under 100. Yeah, pitches. it was. And it was a beautiful, like early August night, perfect weather or fireworks after. But God, he was just, he just a master. I mean, that such nasty stuff and just knows the right stuff to throw at the right time. Uh, yeah. That, picture like that special. Yeah. And now with the AL Central. So, I mean, like you said, Cleveland, Scott, they have, I, and Lindor's a free agent this year, right? Oh, uh, no. He's got one more year left on the contract, which, after why, next year. which is why they think they would look to trade him this offseason. Right. Because this would be the time sense. to okay. get something for him. But they might have to wait until, you know, the deadline next year, move them then. Yeah, because, I mean, the whole pandemic thing and the economics of the game, it just makes it even more oh, yeah. 
confusing. Who knows? So yeah. So and I was gonna say with the AL Central. So I, I mean, I don't know. Who knows what's gonna happen? But Minnesota, the Minnesota's been good the last few years now. They just can't figure out the playoffs ever. Mm-hmm. The White Sox are on the rise. I feel like Cleveland still has a shot. We'll see, you know, what their roster and you know what they can do maybe next year. Detroit is just god awful right now um i swear it detroit was so good in the what 2012 oh, those years yeah, yeah. went to the world series could never win they're one of the top teams that could not win i mean it's just yeah they got, crazy, got a couple but, pennants though you know they had yeah but yeah they've yeah. been so bad since then i mean they they gave out a lot of bad money that they're stuck with i mean that they extended mm. miguel cabrera when he still had years left on his contract but bought up a lot of his later years now which is like you can't. Why are you paying? Why are you spending that money on that guy for those years? Uh, I don't get that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the, so I think the the Tigers and Royals will still be bad for a few more years. Um, the White Sox, though, are definitely on the rise. They're they're a team to watch for sure. Uh, Minnesota, uh, you know, they're they're very good. You know, I think I think last year they they had a lot of luck. You know, the, the, ju- yeah. the juice baseball. They were the right <laughs> the right built for that kind of thing because they had a, a lot of guys that could mash it. Um, you know, this year I think you saw a little bit of regression from that. Um, so, uh, but yeah, they're still formidable. And I think the Indians, yeah, they are, they're built in a way that they are not in a position to tank anytime soon, which is good, which is good. Cause I mm-hmm. prefer the team that is like, they're putting themselves in a the position to succeed. Um, they right. just, they have to deal with their payroll issues and, you know, it's a team that, that doesn't have as much revenue as other teams. Even with all the success, the you know attendance wasn't up enough to offset yeah. the payroll. You know they they spent money to get like Edwin Encarnacion, and then they had a trip a couple years later because they're like, well, the income that we thought would come didn't, <laughs> and you know losing that ALDS the next year to the Yankees. So that was only you know three playoff games that they got revenue from. Then they got swept by the Astros the next year, so that was one game of extra revenue. So that's, you know, just not enough. Um, but they've got, you know, Jose Ramirez is on a very team-friendly contract. Carlos Carrasco is on a team-friendly contract. You know, they're getting a lot of production from guys that are still, you know, pre-arbitration or just in their arbitration years, which helps. Yeah. Uh, they've, you know, they've made these trades of, uh, you know, Bauer, Kluber, Clevenger, and they've gotten a lot of pieces in return. Um, so they've done... It's a front office that has done very well with trades over the last, you know, decade plus. So that's good. So there's always, you know, new players come to the pipeline that you have hopes for. It's just a matter of how long can you keep those players before they price themselves out of Cleveland, basically. Um, so that's yeah, and that and that's that's frustrating as a as a fan because you form attachments to these players and you want to see them spend their whole careers there or a big chunk of their careers there, but to know that like, Oh, you're going to get five or six years of this guy. And then he's going to have to get traded. Mm-hmm. That gets pretty frustrating. Uh, and I think that's part of what has um, lessened my enjoyment of the game in recent years. Switching to the other Cleveland team. So the Browns, they're four and two. They're, they're kind of, they're weird. I mean, <laughs> yeah, now yeah. I, I did, I, I, I did think they were going to probably lose a Pittsburgh last week, but overall they're four and two. I remember the crazy weird game against Dallas. Dallas is horrible, but they're still, you know, they're not horrible, horrible. They're just not having a good year. They're, really. They're not good. Uh, but yeah, but Cleveland's been interesting. They're four and two. I think they win tomorrow. They're playing the Bengals, but Joe Burrow has been really good. So we'll see. But what are your thoughts on the Browns so far? Well, they've been entertaining which is really all I can ask for. Uh, 
you know, I'm not miserable every Sunday watching them, which is true improvement. Um, and, yeah. and they're a flawed team, obviously. Um, but the offense is good. So like, if you're going to be a bad or mediocre team, but you have a good offense, at least like that's fun to watch. That's that can be entertaining football. So, uh, yeah, I, I, it's very impressive what they've done so far. If you had told me before the season that, Hey, through six games, they will be four and two. Like, yeah. Okay. I'll take it. I don't care yeah. who they beat, who they lost right. to, like four and two. Sure. You know, exactly. and with, you know, with the way they're, they've got a pretty light schedule over the rest of the season, you know, cause, cause they're playing the NFC East, which is bad. No, <laughs> And I think they're playing the AFC South as well, which is also has some bad teams in it. Houston's not good. The Jaguars aren't good. They've already beat the Colts. Mm. Um, so I, I think that, uh, and with, you know, an extra playoff team in each conference now, like, like all like playoffs is that's within reach. Like they've already got four wins down. They just they can get like five more wins mm-hmm. here over yeah. the remaining ten games. I do. I think that's you know that's very possible. And and I feel like they are they're finally adults running the team. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, smart people who have an obvious plan. And everyone seems to be on the same page, which has not happened in a long time with that franchise. Kevin Stefanski, I like him a lot as a coach. He's a really smart dude. His game plans are generally really smart. He runs an offense. Well, first of all, his style of offense is one that I like because it's very run-oriented. So they've got a great power game. Nick Chubb, uh, which is he's hurt now, but man, he is he's one of the favorite players for the Browns that I've had because he just, I love the way he runs the ball. Uh, he's just so much power, so much speed. The line blocks for him really well. Then have Kareem Hunt as another amazing running back to be like a second option. Uh, so he's able to step in and fill in now, and it's it's great. Um, and so that takes the pressure off Baker Mayfield then. This is a run-oriented offense, um, but it sets up the play action, which he does very well with. Now against Pittsburgh, I didn't like the game plan because they had Baker like throwing from the pocket, which is not his strength. And he got beat up. I think they needed to have a lot more rollouts and play action and stuff like that to get him out of the pocket because he's really good at throwing on the run. So they should have done more of that. Uh, but and he's got a rib injury. I don't know how much that held him back. But uh, so there, there's, you know, again, not a perfect team. I don't expect success if they get to the playoffs, but if they just getting to the playoffs, because well, they haven't, <laughs> the last time they were in the playoffs, I was a senior in high school. So. Oof. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's been a while. But the fact that, that things seem, they seem to be competently run, they've got a lot of good players on the team, you know, so I think they can have success going forward. They're on, they're on the right path. Yeah. I'm, I'm pleased. <laughs> yeah. So what have your thoughts? So overall, this kind of goes across the board, but especially with the NFL. So when you were talking before with baseball about how you just weren't quite as into the season, you know, for whatever, you know, reasons, but, uh, you know, I, Less so with hockey, I guess. And, you know, I didn't watch any of the NBA at all. But uh, with the NHL, with the bubble, I it felt it felt besides the fact that we're playing hockey in August, besides once you get past that and you remember like, okay, yeah, there's a pandemic obviously going on. But when you just get to the game and you're watching on the ice, it felt pretty normal. You don't really think about no fans or but in baseball, you see the empty seats and it's just pretty obvious like, oh, yeah, it just looks weird. But it is what it is. Same sort of same with the NFL. And they've, I know certain stadiums, I don't think all of them, but I know some of them have had limited fans here or there. 
But again, you don't really, at least I don't really notice, you're not really seeing the stands and you're just watching the game and you hear, you even hear the fake crowd noise and it sounds legit, like it seems normal. What have your thoughts been, I guess, with the NFL playing out? Because I'm actually surprised. I actually wondered going into the season, will they even be able to finish the season? Are they going to have to pause it? I have been pleasantly surprised with how they're able to just, you know, turn the schedule around, f- fix these, you know, move this game, move this one. Maybe it's, it's not perfect, but we knew it was inevitable of how, you know, of how they were going to have to deal with it. And it's just been going along pretty smoothly for the most part. Yeah, it's been interesting seeing like, oh, we're going to have a second Monday game or we're going to mm-hmm. have a Tuesday game. Yeah. After, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I have concerns about it. Mm-hmm. I, I'm concerned by how many teams are still having issues with COVID tests. Right. I mean, yeah. COVID cases. So I'm worried about, you know, is this sustainable? How much more interruptions can the schedule take? Um, True. You know, but then I felt like we had that issue early in the baseball season. And to MLB's credit, they fixed it, you know, and things went smoothly over the last month and a half after the yeah. initial issues. So maybe things will get better in the NFL. Uh, I hope they do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I still... Yeah, I don't think they went into it with a great plan, and and baseball didn't either. Um, so I hope though that like the NBA and NHL will learn some lessons from that for how they run their upcoming season. Um, you know, both of those leagues I thought did really, really did exceptionally well with the bubbles that they had. They were able to maintain the bubbles, not have the cases. That was fan- wasn't sure that they could pull it off. They pulled it off. Now it's a matter of can they do a regular season better than Major League Baseball or the NFL or college football are, are doing. Um, it's going to be a challenge, uh, but For hopefully sure. they can learn what works and what doesn't work when you're doing this kind of situation. I I, I don't feel great about there being fans there. You know, I, I seem like at the Browns games, they have like 6,000 fans there. So they're they're able to spread out pretty well which is good. I don't know what kind of things are happening in terms of the restrooms or the concession stands or anything like that. I'd still have concerns about those sorts of things. They're supposed to be wearing masks. I think I've seen decent mask adherence from what they've shown on TV. Um, but you're not, not, not getting perfect things from that necessarily. Uh, I don't know. It all just feels very risky to me. Uh, in terms of the games themselves though. Yeah. The, the crowds aren't, aren't an issue for me watching the games. I can pretty much focus on the action itself and that's, and that's fine. Yeah. Maybe baseball is the one where it's the, weird, the yeah. crowd was the most obvious, um, which I guess it's, so it's been kind of nice seeing fans of the world series, even if I have concerns about there being fans of the world series, but it does make it feel a little bit more normal. I think I, uh, I've not been a fan of piped in crowd noise any of these sporting events in baseball, it kind of worked like between plays because you're used to that just kind of ambient sound of people chatting and that kind of thing. But where they get it wrong is on the big plays. Um, you know, there was a, an Indians game, of the regular season where Jose Ramirez hit a walk off home run and it's just, he hits it. And it's only after it's gone in that there's then, oh, here they like crank up the crowd noise a little bit. Like, oh, there's cheering and there's fireworks. Hey, but it's, it's not the same as that clip would have been if there were fans there, because there's a thing, you know, when you hit, get a big hit like that right off the bat, 
and there's a little bit of a silence because like there's the anticipation and then there's kind of a swelling as the ball's getting closer and closer to going out and then an explosion like right mm-hmm. as it hits you know that's true and they haven't been able to find a way to emulate that with the recordings that they have and there's really not a way to emulate because it's such an organic thing but it but that's something that the way the crowds react it's they're missing that or you know for the for NHL what they would have had is you know there's a crowd reaction if there's a puck that hits the post you know and they didn't have any reaction to that you know yeah. and you didn't get like the crowd chanting at times where you would need the crowd to be chanting you know like you're used to Jackson you're like, CBJ CBJ you know getting the team up and so that that was something that that was missing so yeah, you, you miss that element of the games for sure. But I've been able to kind of tune that out and just focus on on the action itself, which I think across the sports has been that has not suffered from this. And and I I appreciate after all those months of no sports to be able to be able to sit down here on a Saturday, have college football, and watching that it's it feels a little bit more normal, you know. That's true. Oh man, before during the I would I guess the peak. Uh, peak pandemic or peak uh quarantine i was i got it really in the shark tank and i was literally at the point where i was just binging shark tank at night <laughs> i'm like god where's my i need sports but um and i haven't watched shark tank since <laughs> for for me it was cooking shows so okay at least well you you put that to good use though because i've seen you cook and you know you cook stuff up and you're, you're trying stuff but i mean i like shark tank it's fun but i haven't watched it really since and it just reminds me now of uh you know may and june between the last dance and shark yeah. tank i like had mm-hmm. nothing to watch so it has been nice to have that uh mixture of sports once again and leading into one of my other final topics was so of course osu football season kicked off today we both watched that i felt so weird um it just didn't seem the same obviously but having um you know no one there at the shoe like i i saw the the ohio state tweet out you know energy or something like that and i just felt like it was lacking i mean obviously you're not gonna have a hundred thousand fans there but you know it is what it is but um what were your thoughts obviously uh i think the final score is what we would all would expect it started out kind of slow but you know but uh yeah what'd you think about that game well so actually i ended up not catching any of it um i I didn't spoil it it, did i no 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 that's fine it's fine yeah i i didn't bother recording it because i I'm not a fan of watching recorded sports. Like if I can't watch it live, I just look up the score. I, I can't. I can't just avoid. I, yeah, so, I feel that. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so, some friends had a gathering in their backyard, had some pizza and stuff. So I went to that instead. So I was listening to the start of the game on the drive over, uh, and it was weird. Uh, they these, these friends live, uh, you know, just north of campus. And so it's odd, like driving up 315 past the stadium as the game's going up, but there's yeah. no one there. <laughs> there's no traffic or anything. That's really odd. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, get in the car and a few minutes after noon and, uh, oh wow. Nebraska had already scored a touchdown at that point. It's like, Oh, that's a little concerning. Mm-hmm, but then Ohio mm-hmm. State marched down and got their own. And, uh, you know, when, when I got there, I said to one of my friends, like, oh, hey, you know, the game's, you know, it's tied 7-7 halfway through the first. And he's like, he's like, it's going to be, he's going to be, it's going to be like 24-14 at halftime. <laughs> and then it's going to be like a 50-something, 20-something final score. Yeah. And, and, he, and he was, he was exactly right. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, and I had a feeling based on what some of these other conferences have had in college football that uh, defense has suffered in the early part of the season. Uh, because, and I think some of that is just because of 
you know, lack of practice, you know, not being able to do as much contact in practice. And, and so that's had a, an adverse effect on the defense, especially. So I wasn't surprised that there'd be maybe a higher scoring game or whatever, but uh, glad, to, glad to see Ohio State doing well. I saw the stat that Justin Fields was 20 for 21. That's really, I liked seeing that. So yeah, I, I feel really good about Ohio State. I was very disappointed at the thought of them not having a season because I think they were poised to have such a good one. They had so many good players coming back. Just that, you know, this is going to be Justin Fields last year there. So it would have sucked to have lost out on that, you know, because I think he's, he's a really special quarterback. Um, so glad to get, see him one more year in an Ohio state uniform. Um, so yeah, I haven't watched any clips yet of the game to see it without fans there. You know, it was weird hearing the first touchdown on the radio and not hearing the crowd reaction like you usually do, or, you know, the band playing or anything. So that's, and, and with college football, the the atmosphere is such a big part of it. You know, the the NFL is kind of can be kind of generic and uh, almost a little too polished and too corporate. But you know, college football, it's, you get the students there being rowdy. You've got the band. It's all just so much of the energy of the game. So uh, not having that's weird. So at least like. When I've watched Notre Dame games, they've got they've got fans in the stands at, at their home the students in the stands at their home games, uh, which is well at least there's there's someone there. Someone it's, there, it's yeah. College football, so it makes sense that at least the students would be there. We don't need the alumni or the sidewalk fans there, but the students get to be there and enjoy it and cheer their team on. The band's there. The band is like socially distanced all across the section, but it's it's a little it's, it's something. It's not the full crowd, but it's it's something. Uh, but if that's that's weird. But uh, yeah, I'm glad to to have my teams playing again <laughs> for that. Yeah, I, I think uh, at this game for Ohio State today, I think it was just like the students' parents were there. So yeah, um, they had some people, but not hardly anybody really. So I was curious too. Um, so obviously being a short schedule for the Big Ten and for Ohio State, would they basically, you think, first of all, do you think if they go undefeated and all that do you think they're a playoff team or would have a shot going into oh, the playoffs yeah. because it's a short season yeah. okay because I, I figure the same because you're, you're just really getting rid of the cupcake schedule you're not really losing the, the meat of the big 10 schedule right right yeah they you know if the season gone as normal they would have had a a road game at oregon yeah. uh which would have been a great matchup oh that's so true it's really sad, sad right. to lose out on that yeah i i think i think next week against penn state will be um a tough matchup. That'll probably be the toughest game on their schedule. I think um, now the fact that it's a Penn state without fans makes it easier because that's Penn state's a really hard place to play at when they do their whiteout thing. So with it, without that, it's maybe going to be a little less intimidating. So that'll be a tough one. But I think, Ohio, I think Ohio state is, is going to be the more talented team in every game they play in the schedule. So they should win if things go right. Now they're certainly capable of losing, but I think they will go and feed. And if they go nine and zero, there's no way that they're not included in the playoff. I think, I think we'll have a situation where the committee is going to be looking at undefeated power conference teams. Uh, so I think I think the Big Twelve is probably going to be left out of it at this point because no one there looks very good. Um, I think the Pac twelve, even with them playing fewer games than the Big Ten, if the, if there's a team like Oregon or Washington that comes out of that looking really strong. I think they'll get in. Um, so maybe we end up with a you know one loss team from the 
SEC, your Big Ten that gets in that without winning their conference, maybe. But yeah, I, 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 there's no doubt that if a power team takes care of business, does not lose, that they're going to get in. Yeah, and so of course, if Alabama wins out, if Clemson wins out, they're in. I know I'm so. That's what I'm kind of tired of. I think for me, I like college football. I feel like my enthusiasm has kind of gotten a little drained. And I don't know if it's just because I'm tired of the same teams. I mean, I get it. Every sport has great teams. I think for me, it's more specifically the, I know they try to get it right with the playoffs and you know, it wasn't, it's never really perfect, but maybe it's more, maybe it's better now with the playoff than it was just before with the bowls and stuff. But I don't know. I love March Madness. I like college basketball probably the most as in terms of the college sports, because I love I like the regular season. Some people might say it's almost meaningless because then you have the tournament and everything plays out. And But I like college football. I like college basketball. But I'm looking forward to college basketball hope coming up, uh, I guess, in a month. And also, what's funny, too, or not funny, but I was thinking about it. How weird is it once the World Series ends, all we have is the NFL and college football like once a week at this time of year? Yeah, so we're going to we're gonna end up having, I think, this period where there is like feud of little sports after. So we went, you know, months with nothing. And then we've had several months now of like everything, Everything. like too much, too much sports to watch. And then we're going to go back to like, Oh no, a drought again is these (laughs) sports are in their off season and figuring out how to do stuff. So that's, that's, uh, that's unfortunate. Yeah. With, I think I know what you're getting at with college basketball and the tournament. Like those upsets are fun, right? We love seeing the Cinderella stories. Yeah. Element of surprise. But yeah. I think there's such such a thing as too many Cinderellas because then you get, if you get too many upsets in the first two rounds, then you get worse games in the later rounds. So I think it's fun to see one or two good teams taken out, but then, but to have like the best final four, you want as many great teams as you have to get better games there. So I think with college football, yeah, you don't get as many of the upsets. Uh, like throughout the regular season, but it in, under the playoff we've had some some really good matchups in the playoffs. Now, there there have been some blowouts. Uh, there's, like every year, there's at least one blowout. But some of the matchups we've had have been really really good. We've had some really good championship games uh, under the playoff. Um, so I'm fine with getting the best teams in a position to play each other. Now, obviously, I'm biased because I root for one of those blue bloods. And I get that it's, uh, you know, frustrating to see the same teams in it year in, year out. I think it's a little bit unprecedented that we have like Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State being these dynasties like all at the same time. Usually right, there's like, yeah. maybe, you know, one dominant team one. for a period and then another one that, you know, and, and it, that can always be taken out. But it's weird when it's like, oh, it's going to be Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State. Like, but then, right, you know, then yeah. last year you had LSU who had not been in the playoff before, but they had the right combination of quarterback and offensive play caller. And they, and they managed to pull someone different winning it that year, which was, which was, and Alabama didn't make it in. So that there's, there's hope for some variety. And I think this year we'll get more. So Oklahoma is not going to be in it, who has been in it for a while, uh, which I thought I was curious how the committee was going to treat them because it had been so many years of them losing in the semifinals because their defense sucked. And I was wondering if the committee was finally going to hold that against them. But now they've lost two games already this year, so <laughs> they're not going to be part of it anyway. But yeah, I, you know, I think it looks like maybe still Alabama, still Clemson, Ohio State could probably get in. But I don't know who the fourth team's going to be. And it could be someone new or different. 
Um, and that could be, that could be really interesting. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I, am excited for it. Uh, I enjoy, still enjoy watching college football. It's a, it's a wonderful, goofy sport. <laughs> uh, it's, there's, you know, a lot more variety to it than the NFL in terms of schemes. Um, and, uh, so yeah, there, I still have some concerns about how the schools are handling COVID just about the issue of these players being exposed to it and not getting paid like the professionals are. Um, but I, I, I love the game. I, I love the teams that I root for. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of have to just turn off the part of my brain that's concerned and just enjoy the sport, uh, which I, it's, it, yeah. it sounds yeah. horrible. I feel guilty about it sometimes, but I, I I'm, I'm a simple person. I just want my sports. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I do like college football, you know, and I, I do wonder if maybe once, I, even though the world series, like it's not my teams or anything. And I, I want to see Tampa Bay win, but um, maybe once that's over and all we have is football, it's like, okay, maybe then my enthusiasm will rise even more, which, but you know, it's still been fun. I'm still tuning in well, and watching and games. It, I'm with you in Ohio. Here's State. interesting thought. And all of these, uh, you know, seasons run under COVID in these postseasons. Uh, the cream has risen to the top when you think about it. Like Tampa Bay, you know, clearly one of the best teams in the NHL, and they won it, which I think also gives legitimate to see. Like, it's not an asterisk cup. Like, a good team won. Okay, this is not a fluke. Uh, you know, NBA, like LeBron's Lakers, Lakers. were a heavy favorite yep. coming into the season, and they won it. Uh, you know, the Rays and the Dodgers were what the, the one seed in their respective leagues, yeah. right? So that's right, going to yep. be a, a winner that that's we true. expect. Um, so I wonder if, uh, you know, football will follow the same path this year, you know? Which, yeah, which who knows? Maybe it's like Casey and Seattle, maybe right. Pittsburgh. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah. But it seems, yeah, like, it seems it's, like the NFL, um, like most of the the teams that were good last year are still good this year, at least in the yeah. AFC from what I've seen. And, you know, yeah, college football might still be the same teams that we expect. Like, I don't know if it's just because with less of an off season, less time to work with the new players or new coaches that yeah. the teams that know what they're doing can just go right back into it. I don't know. Can you imagine if the Buccaneers get to the Super Bowl <laughs> in their own stadium and then you have the trifecta of Tampa sports? How crazy would that be? Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't think I don't think the Bucks will. In fact, they have Antonio Brown now, so he'll probably destruct. I actually think he'll finish the season there. I actually think he'll finish the season there. I don't know why. He'll probably self destruct anyway. But Brady and him seem to be tight. I don't know. Yeah, but, I don't, um, uh, I, Tom Brady just bothers me. So I I, I don't want Tampa <laughs> to do well there. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I mean, yeah. I I'm not rooting for Tampa, but uh, I'm not gonna hate it. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I don't even hate New England, if, but if Tampa, I'm not. If Tampa wins the cup in the World Series, like that's enough. They don't need anything more. Than yeah, like, they, they'll they'll right. be settled for the next twenty years. No more championships after that. Exactly. Did you uh, did you watch much of the NBA? Um, a, a little bit here and there, if just have something on, but not. I wasn't super engaged in that. I'm not a. I, I'm definitely much more of a college basketball fan than an NBA fan. I don't follow mm-hmm. the NBA too much. Same. You know, again, tune into a few playoff games here and there. I, I, I was a the best way to describe my NBA fandom is that I'm a fan of LeBron James on the Cavs. So, you know, one without the other does not hold as much interest to me, either LeBron elsewhere or the Cavs without him. So 
Uh, so yeah, the NBA is just, and, and I don't know, I, I find college basketball to be a more, more interesting version of the sport. Uh, I don't know if it's just because, right, you know, yeah. you get a lot more guys that aren't going to go pro and it's guys just playing for their college. You know, the fact that you get the kind of upsets, whereas the NBA is a lot more chalky. Uh, I think the, the player movement mm-hmm. in the NBA is kind of ruins the game. Again, just like what I said for baseball. So th- those are the things that kind of get me from really enjoying the NBA, even though I acknowledge these guys are amazing athletes. The stuff that the stuff they could do oh, yeah. is just it's just incredible, but I, it just doesn't draw my attention as much. I feel like my NBA peak when I used to really watch games, I used to always watch the late games like the Lakers and I liked watching Kobe and the Lakers. And so ever since he retired, um, yeah, I haven't really watched the games as much like I used to. I used to just turn on an NBA game late Friday night game, whatever reason. Yeah, it, it, it definitely seems like it's a sport that's more uh, individual based. You know, you get a lot more people that are fans of a certain player rather than a certain team. And they'll follow yeah, the player around right. wherever he is. And they're more interested in watching the player, like, like a guy like a Kobe or LeBron or whatever. And I guess that just doesn't, for me, the appeal of sports is so much about, you know, rooting for the teams that I've got connections to, you know, usually because of geography or whatever. Um, so just, yeah, the, the, you know, players come and go. So I don't develop as much of the attachment to just the players. You know, it's, it's, it's the laundry that I'm cheering for basically. You know, I think the perfect example of that is with Columbus. Like, of course, we loved Panarin, but I'm not rooting for the Rangers or Panarin. I mean, I can root for Panarin, the, the player, but I'm not, you know, I'm not. My, my, I would rather watch Columbus play defense and try to win games with their offense <laughs> than worry about what Panarin is doing in New York. But, I mean, what a talent. Yeah, no, so, yeah, I, I, yeah, it, it's it's good to see him do well. See him fi- finally get right, acknowledgement yeah. for how good he is because... I don't yeah. think he was mm-hmm. significantly better this year than he has been in Columbus or Chicago. He's always been a great yeah. player. They just finally took notice now, and and that's that's fine. I don't want him to do well against yeah. us, obviously. But yeah, that mm-hmm. you right. know my primary focus is the guys that play for the Blue Jackets. You know, and while yeah. they're part of the organization, exactly. they've got my support. And and you know it's funny because I will defend all day Bobrovsky getting that big contract. Columbus just wasn't sure. the team that had to give it to him, and I'm I'm glad he got his money. And I hope that sure. I, I do hope he has success in Florida. He had a down year, but you know it's year one of what seven. So yeah, but yeah, six more to go. <laughs> yeah, but uh, at the same time, I'm like, well, I'm glad they didn't overpay because they weren't in the position to have to do that. And, you know, I think I, I thought it was really interesting actually seeing Braden Holpe get two years in Vancouver because I was curious, you know, same, he was about, you know, 30 or 31, 32 in that same age market as Bobrovsky and he didn't have a great regular season. So I was curious yep. what he was going to get on the market. And I don't know how much maybe the pandemic played financially for teams. I don't know. But uh, I think, uh, I think Vancouver's on the rise. I think a guy like Holpe will be good out there, hopefully for him and their team. So interesting. Well, I, I, I- yeah, I, I'm not very high on Holpe. He's had issues for a few years now. Yeah. And, I mean, even, you know, 2018 coming into that Columbus series, he, he yeah, was benched. Yeah, shaky, yep. You know, and then he went on the run after that. But, yeah, I thought he was not worth the investment, uh, Holpe. Yeah, not long term, uh, yeah. So, so, I mean, I think Vancouver got a really good team-friendly deal there with him. Good bargain, yeah, yeah. But, you know, really, they, they've got Thatcher Demko there, and he played pretty well in the playoffs. Yeah, so he did. At some point, you yep. got to figure, like, this this guy's your homegrown prospect. Like you got to be a nice transition. Yeah, got to hand the reins to him at some point, right? So I think it's probably going to be a one A one B situation there. I think, however, this season plays out, there's going to be a lot of games compressed into a certain chunk of time. So there's going to be a lot of like back to backs or three and fours and things like that. 
So I think it's really going to benefit teams to have two reliable goalies. So maybe that's one reason why the Jackets uh, didn't push too hard to trade one of their guys. True. This is a great season to go into it with both Corpy and Elvis. And both guys are going to get the chance to play a lot. Yeah. And it's funny. I've learned my lesson, I think, at this point. No matter how, now this season might be weird as far as if it's a compressed schedule, short, whatever. But, you know, generally speaking, I've finally gotten used to thinking, okay, in a normal year, it's December. They're five and 12, but wait, they're going to get on this kind of a run now, somehow, some way. They always do that now. So I'm like, all right, I'm not going to count them out now. Yeah, it's, it's, there's going to, yeah, a little less, less time to turn things around. So that'll be, yeah, yeah. But I, I would expect something a, a 60 some uh, game season going from, you know, January through maybe early May and then do playoffs and be, Done with the Stanley Cup by, you know, end of June. Uh, so they've got time for, mm-hmm. or maybe mid-July. So, so, so and they can still reset. Lead right yeah. into the Olympics for uh, NBC's coverage of that. So, eh, and that'll be, that'll be fine. I just want them to get some kind of season in and and I'm, I'm ready for it already. Same. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it also. Just, uh, we'll see how it plays out. I, I actually, I don't know where I heard this now, but I think I heard that they were pushing for New Year's Day or even, f- uh, in February, but I don't know if I, I would think January, but who knows? And I'm curious too how it's going to work out with the arenas and travel and I guess like the NFL. Well, and I, I think it, they might be doing more like, uh, baseball where you're only going to play teams sort of in your area. You know, there's yeah, maybe about there being a Canada division. So the seven Canadian mm. teams will play each other and then the rest of the teams will have to be realigned. So that could be interesting. <laughs> so I think the Jackets would end up playing like, you know, Detroit, Chicago, Minnesota, maybe Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Nashville, Washington, and then one maybe. of you know, yeah. either Washington or Philly. Uh, that, that seems like that would make the most sense uh, for them. So that would be a little bit different uh, than the, the Metro uh, teams that we're used to playing. That's true. That's true. Well, PD, I had a lot of fun talking different sports with you. Yeah, me too. Thanks for having me, Will. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that was, that was definitely fun. Thanks again for, uh, for coming on. That was Pale Dragon, the site manager for SB Nation's The Cannon, the Blue Jackets site that I write for. And we also have a podcast over there called The Cannon Cast. Be sure to check out Cutting to the Chase across Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, Google Play. You can also check out The Cannon Cast across anywhere you get your podcasts. And as always, John Christian with the music that you hear. And I'll catch you next time.